Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose, PhD, and I am so delighted to have Devon Harris with me today. Welcome, Devon. Thank you, Marion. I'm delighted to be here with you. Yay! So this is the next, uh, I, think, I think this might be number five in the Aware Parenting and Homeschooling series. So I would love to ask you the same kinds of questions that I've been asking the other wonderful folk. And the first one is, um, would you like to share about your journey to aware parenting and how you came across it and what you loved about it, all those kinds of things? Oh, absolutely. I, before I start, I'd like to say I have been listening to your other sessions and they have been incredibly inspiring um, for, for myself and um, yeah, really been enjoying the whole entire series. So thank you. Oh. My pleasure. Um, yes, I first came across um, Aware Parenting, and it's a funny story because it was in the mouth of an old volcano. <laughs> I always love your story. <laughs> Most people are like, oh, I saw, someone told me about it, or I found it on Google, and yours is <laughs> it's a volcano. <laughs> an extinct volcano, thankfully. Um, and my child was two and a half years old at the time, and I was having some struggles with night weaning. Um, and I, you know, I thought that this is what I needed to do. Um, I had up until that point in time, I'd been very, um, heavily attachment parenting. So, you know, attachment parenting with the works, I like to say, and everything from baby wearing, co-sleeping, um, elimination communication. Um, I was even doing baby sign language classes. Like <laughs> I did all those things too. They're all yummy, aren't they? So, <laughs> they actually all go well with aware parenting. I do want to say too, that, you know, they will, they'll fit with those. <laughs> absolutely. It completely paved the way for that to just to really understand that there was a real, a real person alive in, inside, inside this little baby who had a whole lot that he wanted to say, um, pre-verbal and a whole lot of feelings going on. So yes, when I came to aware parenting, it was a very, felt like a very natural progression. Um, I, I imagine people are going to go, but how did you hear about it in the volcano? Was it the, <laughs> did the volcano speak to you? Did the volcano say, Devon, aware parenting? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the ground literally shook. I mean, it really did for me. I was, I was holding my baby. I, obviously, I hadn't slept in, you know, two and a half years. And <laughs> I really, was really feeling it. I was solo parenting as well. So there's a, you know, there's a little extra level to that, you know, night waking scenario I think with that um, not to distract from how how it feels for anybody partnered or not partnered lack of sleep is definitely lack of sleep but there's there's definitely a little um, a little bit extra there and um, I was sitting across from a woman we were sitting around a, around an open fire and <clears throat> and she and you know I'm I was complaining I complained <laughs> and she said to me oh have you have you not heard of crying like have you not heard of crying in arms I'm like what what's this crying in arms I thought I only had two options which was either breastfeed him or leave him to cry it out on his own which I thought that was it right she's like oh no 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 there's a third <laughs> do tell me and that night I went home and read every single thing I could find on the internet um you know until um, until my eyeballs fell out of my head, um, I printed up articles and had them stuffed under the bed for, for, late, for late night reading as I supported myself through that process. Because obviously when you first come across this, it's, um, it's a whole new way of being. It doesn't come easily. It's like a jacket that doesn't fit. 
And so trying it on initially, I had to continually remind myself how this was done, why we were, why I was doing this, um, the, you know, the, the research behind it that backs it up. And um, there was, a, yeah, it was a, a lengthy process to get through um, to supporting myself to, to night wean and coming to aware parenting and then everything else that aware parenting has to offer as well then flooded into my life um, afterwards. Um, and given that there might be some people listening to this who are thinking that they do need to wake up for the first six years of their child's life every several hours a night, um, do you want to share anything about how it went for you when you did apply aware parenting and crying arms to the whole night waking, feeding, crying, sleeping scenario? Oh, absolutely. So <laughs> um, it was bumpy, but I'll say that. And, and I'd also like to premise by saying that I've got a background in child and adolescent development. Um, I've got a lot of training in it. I've got a you know, degree qualification um, and almost 20 years of experience working with young people, um, empathic listening to feelings. And it was not easy. <laughs> It was definitely not easy, um, but incredibly, as I started to gain, tra gain traction with it, as I started to see his response to it, how he was um, in, you know, the hours after I'd, after I'd done crying in arms with him the day after, um, you know, he, he was just, he would turn into an absolute powerhouse, so much more of who he already was. Um, you know, that, that sweet, sweetness um, quality would come forward in him and it was chalk and cheese. I could see when I didn't do the, the listening, I would get um, a silly oppositional um, two-year-old defiant, you know, just really determined in his, in his own ways. And, and when I did, when I was able to do the empathic listening, it was the opposite. Um, and that's what I guess really propelled me in my ways, really being able to see him come into himself and just the, um, just the beauty of, of him was, yeah, that was enough. Mm, so lovely, isn't it, to get that really clear reassurance that, that it's the, the really clear, the proof is in the pudding to actually see that really is making a huge difference uh, in so many ways. Yeah. And you know what I loved also what you said about having done all that, all those years, like, you know, specialising in child development and all the listening and all the work you've done and still finding it challenging. And I think it's really so important to name those things you know I talk about similarly you know so many years beforehand of doing inner work and also specializing in infant development and still it's really I find it really hard too so you know I always uh, my hat goes off to anyone who's coming in kind of fresh as it were maybe hasn't done that kind of thing beforehand the hugeness of what we're actually doing in this uh, this parenting paradigm Mm, absolutely like kudos to anybody who's who's here and who's giving it a go with any sort of level of success it's, um, but yeah just to keep going with it and to keep following what works for you in, in your unique situation following the, 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 the principles the guiding principles of aware parenting it works it just works yeah and, and what do you, I mean, I know it seems probably an obvious question, you probably kind of answered it already, but what was it you loved about it? Like when you heard that, oh, there is a third way, and given that that was already your background and listening was already your background, like what, what was it that you went, you know, like you saw the stars and <laughs> the, the volcano did speak to you? What was it that you... Uh... Yeah, it really was the penny dropped. Um, I'd been struggling so much with attachment, with just the straight attachment parenting way. 
Um, and the penny really just dropped for me. It was a moment that it was like the start, the heavens opened up and the angels started singing. Like it really was one of those moments. And I feel like almost, you know, everything happened in that moment. And then the work that I did following that was just, okay, so now we're just, we're just feeling our way into this now. You know, the truth has already been set. And I can already see how this matches up with everything that I've been doing. And this is the actual practice now. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't that missing almost like just one piece of the puzzle and, and everything becomes really clear. Mm, love it. I have a sense there might be one more question there, like, um, what, you know, why do you think it is? Why do you sense that given, you know, for example, all that background that you had and yet the aware parenting isn't or wasn't yet then and is more now, you know, integrated into those systems? I guess, I mean, it was coming in at the baby level, perhaps, that, you know, all the work that I'd done really, it was child and adolescent development. It wasn't really looking at the, at the infant. I guess that might have been a big part of it. And also, I think, I, you know, personally, I was quite stuck in, in the theory and the theoretical um, angles you know I was doing lots of charts and you know taking you know doing lots of lots and lots of research around it you know recording data and you know gathering lots of data and this really aware parenting really brought it in brought it as an application that it was something I could actually do yes yeah so practical yeah actually holding my child in my arms and listening and you know guiding myself into listening to my own body and listening to him was really practical mm. that is something so wonderful isn't it about aware parenting that does have all that theoretical underpinning it's you know so much it fits with all the all the research and yet it's just the most practical thing for just about anything that you could ever want to know about in parenting isn't it like there's a there is a practical exactly application for it so love how you say that um so then talking about homeschooling what was your journey into that Mm, well, that happened really early on as well for me, <clears throat> and I'm quite grateful now, looking, um, looking back, the mother's group that I joined early on um, through the local community health um, centre that we have here in Australia. Um, so Sid was about six months old, and the mothers there were um, from a, how do I say, um, they were very motivated for their children to be high performers. <laughs> they were quite interested. So there was a lot of talk at the age of six months about where we were going to be enrolling our children at school. Um, there's a lot, um, Victoria, the state that I live in is known as the education state and we've got a lot of schools um, and, and quite good schools here. And, um, and a lot of, and a variety of schools, you know, in the local area I was living in, there was, you know, half a dozen different, you know, um, schools that we could have chosen from, like you know, one that was run by a, a notable writer, but, um, you know, um, Bush schools, um, some of the other ones, well, obviously the Steiner schools, Montessori schools, we had access to all of those different ones. And so as the dutiful researcher that I am, <laughs> I set about finding out what would be a good fit for my family and it was for myself and my child and um, just started reading up and looking at all of these different ones and once again I already had a background in this I'd worked in alternative education settings with uh, with a lot of different young people including you know helping young people to get their VCE from prison it's like the 
quite a few from an adult, adult prison facility. So working within TAFEs, um, working um, on wilderness and outdoor um, um, programs, working with narrative therapy, wilderness therapy. And <clears throat> there was even one that was run by a chef. That was one of the schools that I was <laughs> oh, my gosh, I didn't know. I'm loving learning some new things. I didn't know about those. It's <laughs> yeah, amazing. That was, that was a pilot pro, pro, program that was run out of Victoria University. And so I went in as, as to help them do the evaluation and then became the youth worker who was there um, supporting the children, um, young people. There was um, 12 to 15-year-olds um, in the classroom setting. Um, so, I, so I had a, a whole lot of background around this, a whole lot of interest. So when, when it was posed with my own child going forwards, um, I dive, you know, I dove right in and went, right, which one's going to be the best for us? This is going to be so much fun. And as Sid grew <laughs> and as I did more and more research, I realised that, that none of these were going to be a good fit for him, um, that he was operating at a whole different level and that, that there wasn't anything here that was actually really going to work for us. Um, and, and even when I started investigating homeschooling, I was like, well, that's not going to work either <laughs> because that's not going to work for me. I'm not, I'm not the person who's going to be in here delivering these classes. I'm not a teacher. I'm not interested in, in this either. Um, and that's when I came across homeschooling and natural learning. And, and then it was, again, like it was with the way of parenting, the, uh, the skies opened, the heavens opened and the angels sung. And, and I said, oh, wow. Okay, we've, we've found our place. Mm, yum. <laughs> and then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was around the same time. And, and, and all the while along, Sid's growing and learning and doing his thing. And I found out... Um, and this was, I won't go into the backstory with this, but it wasn't um, entirely by my choice um, to, I, I noticed that he was, you know, he had some different learning um, things going on and we went and got him assessed um, for giftedness and found out that he was actually quite profoundly gifted. And it even, it, it, there was even a greater propulsion to, <laughs> to go down the path of unschooling um, and so as, a, as I stepped into that field more and more and learned more and more about the about giftedness, um, and I realised along the way with all of the work that I'd done previously, looking back, going, oh, okay, so there was quite a high proportion of young people disengaged from mainstream schooling that I was working with who presented with exactly the same sorts of behaviour, the same sorts of, I'm using air quotation marks now, but symptoms of, um, of giftedness who would have likely fallen into this category as well. <clears throat> so I knew a lot of the strategies and a lot of the practices that we could have that we could bring over in order to um, to have Sid feel, you know, really uh, to have him flourish into his, you know, the full potential of who he was wanting to become. Mm. Um, I'm going to uh, invite you to pause there just in case for people who don't know really about giftedness or any of the kinds of. I love that you said, you know, in air quotes, <laughs> the symptoms. Are you willing to share a little bit more for people who are wanting to, to have a little uh, toe dip into what that, that all that gifted world? Well, yeah, absolutely. So it's um, you know, intellectual. So often um, people just assume that it's a intellectual. You know, the giftedness is is about intellectual capacity, and it is. But that's just one small slice of the picture. Um, there's um, <clears throat> A lot of research that looks at the the whole of the, the holistic approach is about looking at you know 
this they call them overexcitabilities in in one sort of field and i find that to be really helpful so sensual overexcitabilities so children who have sort of expanded capacity to hear things that are outside the awareness of others um see things so maybe sensitivities to light taste smell touch you know so they might have a, um, issues with certain fabrics and the like and so that's a trait of giftedness <laughs> um and then um, psychomotor is another one. So children who prefer, prefer to do a lot of their learning and processing, standing up and moving around. Um, that's also another really normal um, in the gifted community. That's a really normal trait to have. Um, we also look at um, emotionality. So um, children might um, have a capacity to feel really, really deeply about things and to you know, maybe they might show a stronger affinity with animals. Um, and you know, feel the pain of others quite quite deeply um, as well. So that's another another trait. And um, what's another one? There's quite a few of them, isn't there? Yeah, lovely. And I'm also curious too. Uh, please share more if you want to. But the the overlap with high with high sensitivity because those a lot of those things are similar to what we would talk about in highly sensitive children and Elena Ron's work. So. But quite a different lens through which to look at the what's showing up. It is quite a different lens because I think with so in gifted children you can have one of these sort of areas of 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 um, you know sets of traits, or you can have you or you can have more than one of them as well. Um, and I think when you put it together with other understandings, um, when you're looking at things around them, then you can start to, no, I don't want to use the word diagnose. <laughs> I don't even like the word assess. Um, yeah, and, and to see if, if, if giftedness is actually, if it, if it fits. And you know, for me, it's like whatever understandings fits your family, wherever you get um, get some traction and, and, and feel like, you know, the heavens open up and, oh, my goodness, I'm finding exactly what it is that I'm needing right here, then go with that. <laughs> you know, if, if, it's, if the shoe fits and it's, and it's working for you, then keep following that. Keep following that. Mm, gosh, uh, I really, um, I'm really, I don't like the word struck by, I really... I'm thinking again of what you said about how many people, how many young people that you saw falling through the, the mainstream system, who you actually then, in retrospect, could see would uh, probably be seen as gifted, and that's such a big thing to, you know, that's that's missed. It really is, and we've got, um, you know, there's a there's a good reason for it too. Like there's there's a stigma attached, I think, for for giftedness. Um, and particularly in Australia, there's you know, this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. You know, you don't want to be seen to be either big noting yourself or, um, yeah, I mean, it's as, it's as prevalent as, you know, so, as, as diminishing yourself. It's like you can't really be on either end of the spectrum here. Um, it's safe to, safer to be in the middle in the herd. Mm, yeah, well, I can imagine there might be some parents listening, having some bells ringing at the moment, so... Yeah, thank you. Um, do you want to share about uh, more about giftedness as well, but also in terms of how you see natural learning or unschooling fitting with aware parenting? How did how do they dovetail together for you and your family? Aware parenting and homeschooling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, 
I, I think that on a, it was on a really practical, practical level for, for me. So last year we spent the entire year um, homeschooling and it wasn't pandemic schooling, it was actually homeschooling <clears throat> where, you know, we, we, we planned and um, had, a really, had a really good structure um, set out, had it approved um, by the state authority board and, um, you know, we were following a, following a plan. So we didn't have the, um, the difficulties that other people had during the pandemic with our schooling because it was, it was set up and ready to go. We had all the resources that we needed and, um, and we had a really good time with it. And I guess on a really practical level, level the way that it dovetailed is that we had, you know, there was none of that getting out the door you know, getting ready, getting out the door and, and being, having to be somewhere else at a certain time, um, which, and, and being able to do our learning when it suited us, whether it was early in the morning or in the, in the early afternoon, being able to take breaks when we want to take breaks and being able to listen to feelings when we had feelings. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> because when you can stop to, when you can take the time to stop to do that, um, natural learning takes place naturally <laughs> it's like I can't hold my child back from learning like he he's, he's got an insatiable curiosity he wants to know everything about everything yes and the only yeah the only time that there's a problem with that is because he's got some he's got some pent-up feelings or there's there's something in the way of that natural propensity to that natural curiosity um, yeah, 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 I see the the joy when you when you express that, and I remember seeing him sometimes, and you know, coming in with books and the, the, some of the latest things he's been into. So, uh, what what do you love about natural learning or unschooling? What do you call it? Do you, sorry, I'm mixing my questions. Do you call it nat tend to prefer natural learning or unschooling, and and why? And the, the next one, what do you enjoy about them? <laughs> Well, I try not to actually use any terms. I just, or I use every term interchangeably <laughs> because I can, can be really exclusive and people will go, oh, no, that's not what that means. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> unschooling, natural learning, um, you know, self, self-guided, self-directed yeah. um, learning, they're all they're all great homeschooling, you know, yeah. And the other one that I really like is world schooling. World schooling too. Yeah. We're out doing our, doing our learning out in the environment. So yeah, any of those terms, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And I like that. That's like not you in a way, not using any of them or using all of them because uh, they can be just as, as you say, can't they prescriptive or constricting or judgment inducing by others. So I love that. That's just yeah. living life, living life and, doing what you want to learn and we can get stuck on those words and then end up and well i can get stuck on those <laughs> words and, and end up you know spending a lot of time trying to define myself and not a lot of time actually doing what i say <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah yeah so the next bit what do you love about it what what things do you particularly enjoy well i mean I, what i'd seen in the cohort that i was working with prior to having my own child was you know kids getting frustrated and well, gifted kids in particular getting frustrated and bored at school and not performing to their, to their potential. And it's like, yeah, that was, that was really difficult and challenging to, to see. Um, you know, these are kids that are so full of so many questions, you know, just the ability to ask limitless questions and not to have a, 
to have somebody there who could answer them in a way that was that was satisfactory and you know one of my favorite answers to questions um, that my child asks and that other children ask too is I don't know and I wonder how we can find out <laughs> yes <laughs> so helpful <laughs> yeah yeah so really being able to go to to go at the, at the pace that's that's the most enjoyable pace whether that's fast or slow or pausing or like to really follow to be in that attuned connection with learning really isn't it and each each person's learning style and pace and preferences mm. Mm. anything else you want to share what well, i know you you're quite involved aren't you in the gifted community and the and the natural learning unlearning homeschooling i call it unlearning homeschooling unschooling life learning 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 um anything that you want to share from your experiences there well uh, yeah one of my biggest experiences was going through the registration process and getting very concerned that that was going to be um, really difficult and it turns out that it was <laughs> until I'd done it and then it wasn't um, so it was it was a really challenging thing to get through there's fantastic organizations um, you know basic communities um, and the like that um, Victoria's got one the home education networks Australian home education network um, who just have got so many amazing people who are so willing to help um, to help move through that um, and that you don't have to be, it doesn't have to be perfect, that it's a relationship that you have with the authority, um, or here in Victoria anyway, where they're actually wanting to see you succeed. <laughs> they really they want you to be able to, to be able to do this. Um, and that any, um, the, the feedback that I got from them and the changes that they were asking me to make were about supporting me and not about criticising me. Mm. That, was a, that was really important for me to understand and to and to embrace as well really fabulous yeah i love that it's a shift in perception isn't it i think for, for many people um any particular books i don't know i'm saying i'm a lot i'm saying any particular books or resources that you've particularly like really loved like like ten thousand. <laughs> yes but any of those really jump jump out yeah. you Oh, 10,000, 10,000. No, so the resource that I love the most is myself. No. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> so I waded into a place called the Gifted Homeschoolers Forum, which is a, started out as a Facebook, but is now a membership um, that just turned into a membership last year. And I run a weekly coffee chat session in there. And it's, it, is incredibly nourishing um i you know lifelong friendships with these with these incredible mamas from and dads from all around the world <clears throat> who are doing what they can do to support their gifted children um or doing what they can do to keep up with their gifted children I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, in and and all from different walks of life as well so you know and, and supporting their children to go to school if that's what they're choosing to do and how it is that they can then maintain their own homeschooling um, environment for when their child wants to come back as well because we need to give them freedom to be able to decide what they want to do particularly i mean all children obviously need that freedom and autonomy but particularly gifted children 
right? They can, um, they, otherwise they can end up resenting learning and not enjoying it at all. Um, and that's not what what we want to create. We want to we want to keep that um, that sense of wonder and awe and fascination and curiosity. We want to keep that alive because um, that's the juice of life, right? That's where life becomes satisfying, and when we can when we can follow that. Mm, yay! So yummy. That sounds like a yummy 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 group. I'm somehow reminded of the conversation I was having with my son yesterday. He's 14, and he was telling me about which I know I watched a video on it once with him about three dimensions and four, he was talking about five dimensions and four dimensions. And I still don't really get how you could know. And he was explaining how we would, you know, how you see if you're in two dimensions, how you would see some, something from with was three dimensional coming in. And I'm like, Oh my God, I finally started to understand it. It's amazing. It's uh, incredible. These young beings minds, aren't they? And how they, <laughs> they just, Amazing. Absolutely incredible. Yes, it really is. And Mary, well, I mean, this is my other resource has been you, right? Oh. You've been such, a, such an incredible inspiration um, along the way in my own, you know, awakening and stepping into not just embracing um, aware parenting, but also absolutely embracing um, natural learning as well. Oh, thank you, lovely. I'm touched. <laughs> So is there anything else? I see you've been writing little notes down. Is there some things that you'd like to say that I don't have, don't know that I have the questions for because I don't know that you want to say them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't remember what your question was before, but I did, um, I I take notes. Like that's just how I have conversations these days as I write things down. I love that. Um, But one of the ones that I've written was about um, having, having um, learning be project-based and not subject-based and how much of a big shift that was um, for us, and particularly when we were um, registering as well with the homeschooling authority, um, to be able to have the freedom to, to work from projects was just, and I've heard other, other um, people on the podcast talking about that as well. That is just so freeing and children, I you know, just respond to that so well. Um, the problems with you know, be, either being overwhelmed or you know, feeling discouraged or confused as well, or, or you know, what's the point in learning this? Um, you know, when am I ever going to use this in the real world? When we shift from subject-based to project-based learning, that just all just goes out the window, <laughs> right? It just completely becomes a non-issue, and I just you know would really encourage um, any budding homeschoolers out there to look at that as an alternative to the, the sitting down and trying to trying to do subjects. Oh my gosh, yeah, I, lo- I really love that. You know, I find with subjects when I'm uh, for our registration, my son's now my daughter's not registered anymore because she's 19, but uh, trying to fit things into categories. I, I always get confused like, how do I tell, is this science or history or geography? Because it's just like, it's everything. So many things, like all of them. I mean, I can put them in all the categories, but I don't like doing that because it's, yeah, I don't like splitting yeah. them up. <laughs> That's how they measure things, isn't it? So we've sort of, and this is where I found our authority to be so helpful is that they kept on saying, well, this is how you split it up. You don't need to know. We will tell you how to do it. Thank you so much. You need to point it out to me. <laughs> and, and what you've just highlighted is another, you know, sort of aspect of giftedness, which is that multi-potentiate 
um, aspect, which is right. All of these things are so interconnected. And when we separate them out, our children go, hey, what? Crap, this is not making any sense. It's like, no, you're absolutely right. These things need to be all stuck together. They need to be all, there's a complexity in there where things are so interwoven um, and that we can't understand one without the other. Um, I was talking to an amazing mum the other day and the gifted community was talking um, about music and maths and, and the, the correlations between those and how connections are made and, and understandings and, and are, are come to through having those two things, you know, having those two things together. And it's just, it's mind blowing. Oh gosh, yeah. I so I'm so with you, and I wouldn't. I, I would um, not even argue, but suggest, and I'm, I'm imagine you would agree that I think this is what we're really being invited to do, aren't we? That we've we've lived in a world where the domination culture has tried to and believe that you can separate everything out, and everything is discrete, disconnected units rather than all, all interconnected, and that's so much of what's caused all, so many of the problems I think that we have. So. I would say that that's what we need to support young people in really understanding the interconnectedness of all things. So I love, I love that project-based learning or project in an American pronunciation. <laughs> ah, anything else there on your in your notes that you really want to say? There is something else I want to say. And this is completely risque, um, and I'm going to say it anyway. Yay! <laughs> Um, I think that one of the major virtues of homeschooling is um, the ability to explore spirituality. It's not something, you know, our, our schools are, you know, and they need to be, right? We need to, we need to um, have them because they're a melting pot of so many different types of religions. Um, but I think gifted children in particular, obviously all children need this as well, um, you know, the children can be quite prone to existential depression and they need to have some sort of understanding of some sort of origin story. Um, and if that's some sort of quite, you know, complex scientific explanation, then so be it, go, go for it. But they need something because they can actually quite get, end up getting, um, you know, waking in the middle of the night, asking these enormous questions of us um, because there's a, there's a gap there. I think that homeschooling provides an opportunity for that gap to be filled that schooling actually prevents because of that out of necessity to not um, push one religion over another. Yeah, that's huge, isn't it? To really support um, a young person's need for meaning and purpose and understanding the big, the big picture. So powerful. Yeah, and just being able to explore and, um, you know, that, that that there's not always some answers to this, but that there is always space for us to be able to ask the questions. Yes. Yeah. Someone's, some of my neighbours has put really loud music on right now. I don't know if you can hear. Interesting. Not, it doesn't usually happen on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> there we go. Party. It's, it's a party afternoon, clearly. <laughs> um... Anything that you would like to say? Say so there's someone practicing where parenting, where dancing, practicing where parenting is. Maybe thinking of natural learning, unschooling, life learning, world schooling, that's needing a little bit of compassion or loving encouragement or a little bit of a something. What would you like to say to them? Okay, compassion and loving encouragement. Or anything that you feel called to say. <laughs> yeah, look, I think that if, if you're thinking about it, 
but it's probably a good idea. Right? <laughs> like if it's coming to your awareness, it's probably there for a reason and you can trust that and follow that. And if it turns out to not be a great idea, that's okay too. There's nothing that you can't, you know, step back from and pull yourself back from. But, you know, if, you, if you're feeling called to investigate it, definitely start. There are so many people, um, you know, amazing people with, um, you know, skills, programs, qualifications, resources. Um, you will just find such a welcoming community and if you're already in it in inside the community and you know and if you're having any struggles there are there are so many um coaches and um trainers who are out there so you know you could get some extra support around that um and that you know with last year's 2020s sort of you know pandemic schooling a lot of people said um, you know, there was, a, there was a lot of momentum built around, you know, what's terrible and wrong with homeschooling and, and, with, what's, and with what's right about and what works with homeschooling as well. And so it just sort of brought the conversation up even more and, and I guess made, a little, made it a little bit more, more of a sensitive topic. Um, so it can be hard to talk to the people around you, but find some friendly people. <laughs> There's lots of us out there, <laughs> you know, myself included. I'm absolutely willing to have conversations about this and, um, and yeah, join some groups. Yay, I love that. Um, Deb and I didn't say right at the beginning, and well, it'll be on the, on the writing about you, but you are an aware parent instructor, and that was a nice, I love the segue into uh, the support that you give and the work that you offer. Would you like to share where people can find you and what you offer and what you're offering at the moment? Absolutely, yeah. So, my, um, so I, I go under the banner of the, the parenting architect. Um, can I can I pause you for a moment? Well, I love that so much. I'm not sure if I've ever asked you. I might have done. My apologies if I've forgotten. But could you would you be willing to say why you why that it was your um, is it a moniker? Is that the accurate term? I'm I'm really enjoying words while I'm talking to you. I can tell. Um, why did you choose that? Because <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'll have to Google what a moniker is. M O N I K E R, not I C A. Okay. Okay. Otherwise, I'll end up with I don't know an article about Lewinsky or okay. friends I was thinking yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the parenting architect came to me after and so uh, there were a lot of my my group so I was or, or obviously I've been really um, invested in you know child and adolescent development for a really long time um, and I went from supporting you know young people sort of you know, around the ages of 12, up, up until 25, and I was doing a lot of support, and I realised that realised after, you know, a couple of decades, that early intervention is where it's at, and I started working with younger children, younger children, younger children, until finally I went, oh, you know, the earliest intervention you can do is with the parents. <laughs> <laughs> and at that time, and it was that time in my, my own life that a lot of my peers, um, my friends, my colleagues, everybody in my awareness, were all remodeling their houses and spending a lot of money either building houses or remodeling houses. And there was a lot of that talk um, going on. And I could see that a huge amount of time and energy and effort was going into their home environment. Um, and this was, it was at the same time when I was, I wasn't doing that. I was putting my time and energy and effort into the connection that I had with my child. Um, well, I was building myself in the, the structures of my life 
around having this, this you know, amazing connection, collaboration, cooperation, everything that Aware Parenting brings. Um, and my, my friends, my colleagues, <laughs> my co-workers were all saying, how are you doing what you're doing? You know, how can, you know, can you help us? Can you help us do this? And thus the parenting architect was born. It's like, yes, I can help you build the, in, you know, the inner landscape and the internal and the, the structures and practices that are needed in order to be able to have the connection, to have that amazing connection with your child. Mm, I love that story. <laughs> um, so the parenting architect, so where can people find you? If, when they want to, when they want to come and get you, where where are you? So I've got it. My website is um, theparentingarchitect.com, um, and I've got a Facebook page. Although <clears throat> what I do because because I work with I work one to one with people, and I have low case you know I keep a low case load so I can do quite um, you know quite intensive work with families, and um, so what we do is we have a call. You just, you know, you can book a call, you can get in touch with me through Facebook or through my, through my website. We can get on and we can really nut out um, what's going on for you, where you're at and where you'd rather be. <laughs> and we'd see, we'd get really clear about whether or not we'd be a good fit to work together going forwards. And then we can, we can look at what that might look like because it's unique um, to each family. Every, everyone's got something different going on. And we like to put together... Um, something that's going to work or, or if that means referring you on to somebody else then then I can do that as well so if people are already wondering oh gosh I wonder if she she works with someone like me is there a is there a kind of broad brush of range of like people you know situations that you work with people you work with or is it you want to happy to share well I would say if you if you are wondering if it's you, then give me a love that. It's like the same similar answer, isn't it? It's trust, right. that deep trust, isn't it? Trust, it really is. And if it's you know if it if it turns out that it's not, then all you know their first call is complimentary. All you're going to get is is a wonderful phone call and a referral on to somebody else who is the right fit for you. So if you're wondering, then it's probably. I love that. <laughs> Such a helpful thing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yay so i will share those details as well but it's so the parenting architect.com and your facebook page is the parenting architect as well yeah i i hardly post on there at all i mostly just go by my personal just on your page. personal page yeah so yeah okay Devin harris yay and if anyone ever wants to join me over at the gifted homeschool as well yeah welcome over there too it is a membership it is a membership site um but you're absolutely welcome Okay, I'm, I'll ask you for the link afterwards and then I can share it as well. Mm, thank you. Uh, any, any last words that you want to say as we complete our conversation? Um, thank you so much for having this series. I think that homeschooling is such a, such a valuable um, tool. And even if you're not homeschooling, if you just take on some of the, some of the ideas and practices around this, that that is, you know, that can be enough, you know, home, home, homeschooling on the either end of the day around, around the traditional schooling is, you know, holding that ethos is just beautiful. So thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. I so enjoyed this. I'm thinking of going away with volcanoes, and yeah, if you if you feel cool, then it's a yes. I'm loving those two. The the, the bookmarks for the beginning and the end. <laughs> thank you, lovely. So much love to you, and love to the listeners.